Welcome to Law Light, a quick dose of legal levity as we shine some light on the heartbeat of the legal field. Hi, this is Stacey Woods, eDiscovery Manager with Gibson Arnold and Associates, and I'm here with our very talented CEO, Melinda Delmonico, and today we're talking about creating opportunity. The title of our podcast is Creative Resumes Create Opportunity. So, Melinda, what makes a great resume? Stacy, thank you for the question. And the main aspects of a resume, that what, what we see are thousands of resumes a year. Uh, and, and I'm going to, to give you just a high-level summary of what makes a great resume. Um, it needs to be well-organized. It needs to be clear and well-written. It needs to be concise. It needs to address the audience And lastly, it needs to be mindful of length. And all these various points really culminate into a very responsive and focused and productive resume for no matter what job you're applying for. Great. Can you expand on addressing the audience, what you mean by that? So let's take a particular job. Uh, we, We see law firm opportunities, we see corporate law department positions. And if, for example, a company is looking for a securities lawyer, um, it's really important that when you create a resume that you address the skills that you have as it relates to the job description of the securities lawyer. So in in this particular example, um, transactional words around securities become really important. So is it Corporate securities, you know, what, what, what are we defining? So when you take a job description, and literally the companies will post their job descriptions out there. And in addition, you can gather additional information from people that work in a company and contacts that you have. But really understanding what it is that the company is looking for and then tailor your resume to the skills that you have, for example, in corporate securities as it relates to what they're looking for. And... You know, if you don't have the skills, obviously that's not going to be put on the resume. But what we find is that a lot of lawyers have a tremendous amount of experience and they may touch on securities law in that example. And maybe they've done corporate transactions, they've done mergers and acquisitions and other things. And so the securities becomes less emphasized in a lot of, uh, a lot of different resumes that are when people are applying rather than focused on here's what I've done specifically in corporate securities and then touching on the other points. Right. So they try to, so one of the errors that you can make in creating a resume is including too much information, too broad information, instead of narrowing it down for the position that you're actually applying for. Is that what I hear you saying? That's correct. And you know, the way, what I tell candidates is you should have, you know, 15 different resumes Perfect. And rather than having one resume that you use for every job that you apply for, tailor the resume. And in addition to that, you can provide a cover letter to right. go into further explanation, which which I would love to touch on as we continue this conversation. Because my point is, when we approach a job in a thoughtful way, it creates excellent results. That's great. And, and that's just good communication skills anyways, mirroring someone else's language. When you're having a conversation with someone, that's how you create connection and empathy and all of those good things that we like to share with each other. And I have to say, we have, we'll receive resumes, so we'll post a position that we're working on. 
and will receive resumes that aren't in line at all with the job. And that's what employers are used to receiving. And I think what happens is that an individual is, is maybe desperate for a job potentially, or maybe not desperate, but really they want to join the company. And so they apply because they feel like they can learn anything. Right. And they can. We work with brilliant people. And I, I, I understand the mindset behind that, but the reality is that the employer is looking for specific skills. And so your best chance is number one, tailor the resume to show the skills that you have as it relates. And then secondly, reach out to contacts that you have in the company prior to submitting a resume to get a better feel of what they're looking for so that you are addressing your audience. That's perfect. Can you give us some more do's versus don'ts? Yeah, so (laughs) we've seen a lot of uh, don'ts and we've seen some really effective do's, right? So I would say you do research a role and respond thoughtfully on skills. We've just spent time talking about that. Um, And don't send a general resume. And here's the point. The reason that you also want to understand the skills is that technology has taken over big corporate America as far as resume databases. And when you apply for a position, many times it's it's going into the resume is submitted online. It goes into a corporate database. And in that database, there are uh, keywords that have been set up related to the job. So let's go back to corporate securities. They're looking for securities law. What other words? Maybe blue sky. What, what, what other words come to mind for securities? I mean, you would you would you would have a a, a number of different right, words. Right. S series, SEC. You know, whatever right. might be coming up as it relates to corporate securities. And if you on the resume don't hit the keywords, then the resume may not even get to the hiring manager, let alone to the HR representative that's reviewing the resume. Absolutely. So. By reading through the job descriptions, tailoring specific words as it relates to the job, that gets you through that portal. And then, you know, then the other part of it is what does HR do your, do with your resume? Because they're doing the evaluation. They don't always have the legal skills. The human resource department may work on 10 different areas from accounting to technology to legal to the executive branch of the, of the company to whatever it might be. And they don't have the depth and legal a lot of times. Some of them do, and they're very effective, but others are just learning it. So once you do prepare a resume that's, uh, that's geared towards the particular company, you may need to also send the resume uh, along to a hiring manager directly within the company, doing a dual process, following their technology-oriented process, but also if you have contacts reaching out to someone within the company to talk further about your skills. That makes a lot of sense. What about the format of the resume? Is there a particular format that you recommend people use? Yeah, so do use a chronological resume uh, and don't use strictly an accomplishment format. So on the do's, the reason I say do use chronological is that in law, as you gain experience, you may gain experience in multiple areas. So maybe you start out as an associate and you're a litigation associate. And then you have the opportunity, a client calls you and says, would you come in-house and be a corporate attorney for us? And now you're managing litigation, but you're also doing commercial contracting. And then you grow within the company and you become an associate general counsel and they give you the area of regulatory. And now you become a regulatory specialist. 
right? So you're ready to make a job change and let's say a litigation position comes up, but you really, your litigation experience might be older and you, you are more aligned with being a regulatory lawyer today. And so the, the point being is that accuracy to a resume and skills becomes important, not only about work history and how many jobs you've had and how you've moved through your career, but when it, when it comes to legal experience, how current is your legal experience? A lot of coaches, resume coaches, are using accomplishment resumes. So let me just give you the difference to make sure you're clear. Chronological is I've had job A, and I worked from these particular dates, and these this is what I've done. Next, I go to the most recent jobs that I have. So you go in order from um, the most recent to the oldest, right? So you start with your most recent and then you put in the company and the dates that you worked and then the next job previous to that and the dates that you worked. Right. And then you list the skills that you have. Accomplishment is what makes me a great employee and a good fit. So I saved the company um, multi-millions of dollars managing litigation. And so accomplishment is where you list those kinds of completed tasks that you've done or successes that you've had. And then at the very bottom, there may be some dates of employment. So I hope you can visualize that because it's very different. And I think a combination of accomplishment and chronological can be effective, but strictly to have um, strictly to have an accomplishment resume doesn't quite work in legal jobs. In my opinion, I've not had great success when we've submitted candidates resumes that are strictly accomplishment. The ones that are cron or a combination of chronological and accomplishment works well. Great. And that's because as evolving as the legal world is, it's still fairly hierarchical, would you say? Is that why that's so important to have those chronologies laid out clearly in the resume? Well, I mean, expand on hierarchical from, from your perspective. Well, things have to flow in a certain way in terms of going to law school, passing the bar, getting your first job, doing your first trial, or conducting your first transaction as a transactional attorney, and then building on those skills. Versus in the business world, it's much more entrepreneurial, and it's much more, um, there's there's not so much of a particular path that you have to take as there is just getting in and doing the work and getting something accomplished. And so it's just, it's a, it's just a different way of evaluating people's contributions and where they're at and what skills they might have. I totally agree with you. And I think that that experience, you know, when you look at an in-house job, a number of the hiring managers of corporate America like to see, for example, law firm training before the lawyer goes in-house. Others are perfectly fine with someone who's strictly been in-house. But you're right. There is an aspect of you know, that, that, that experience that you have early on and the importance of it, and then all of, also the relevancy of it today. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And what would you say is another uh, – what is it? There are some more uh, do's. So I would say the length of a resume can become important. Uh, when you first graduate from law school – you have a one-page resume. It's pretty clear. Right? It's exactly. Lame. Maybe you've had some internships. Maybe you've had some other experiences. Um, and you maybe you've had a prior career prior to law school. 40% of the lawyers that, that um, we place tend to have prior careers. So law is a second career. And 
And so as you gain experience, now you're looking at, you become a general counsel and you have a four page resume. And in reality, the reason that you've created a four page resume is that you've had so much experience of value. So what do you do? Because an audience does not want to read a four page resume. Um, and so what I always think about is you do want to be conscious of the length, make it no more than two pages or maybe a page and a half because you want to engage the reader and you don't want the four-page resume. So one suggestion is that you look at your information as a portfolio, that you have a cover letter, right? And then you have a resume that's two pages. And then you have maybe a transaction list or a litigation summary document. And then you have references that you'll be providing that you may choose to provide up front or you might hold until you're along the line in a search. So I think that when you're an experienced lawyer looking at your resume, keeping it concise, focused on the reader, and then creating a transaction list or a litigation accomplishment list can be really valuable. And so let's just talk about you know, what does that look like on this transaction page? Because it's a separate document. You can provide that along with your resume, but you still have your resume at two pages, right? right? So, for example, if you're a transaction lawyer that has done mergers and acquisition, you've done corporate law, you've done securities law, you can literally have sections on your list that say mergers and acquisitions and list, you know, worked on multi-billion dollar transaction for healthcare corporation. You don't even need to list the company names. Right. But you can you can begin putting out examples of the work that you've done in that area. So then when you get to corporate law, you can talk about the, the board work you've done and other types of things that you've done in, in corporate with, with corporate documents. It, it really is a much easier read and more concise. And the other part of it is if you start a transaction list or a litigation summary list at the beginning of your career, when you become an AGC or a general counsel, and now you're looking back at your experience, you can literally take examples off this list to put on the resume so that's relevant to your audience. Fantastic. So you use that transaction list in order to help you tailor each individual resume to each individual position that exactly. you're applying for. That's fantastic. Yeah. And, I, and I think also, I'm just going to roll into another do and don't. <laughs> do proof the resume and these documents carefully. Uh, I know that goes without saying, and we're dealing with lawyers who are very conscientious about documents. But I will tell you, I've seen errors on resumes and don't leave off information uh, that doesn't give a clear picture of your work history. So, for example, sometimes they see resumes that are chronological, and then you've got the name of the employer, and then you have the years that they've worked, and then months aren't listed. The first thing an interviewer does when they see that is it creates a question mark. And the question in their mind is, did they have a gap of employment? Because now you've got years, but if you, but as you know, right. I could have started a job in January of 2019 and I could have ended a job in, you know, um, January of 2020. So maybe I have 2019 to 2020. And in actuality, I don't know as the interviewer, the months that you've worked, did you work for a year and a half? Did you work for close to two years or was right. it, you know, was it something shorter? It could have been two months. You started in December and you left in January. Right. It could be. <laughs> that's correct. I mean, you could you could have a lot of different 
um, we could fill in the gap and create our own story as an interviewer. So rather than, than, you know, I look at a resume and I counsel people that you don't, you want to be thorough so that you don't leave question marks to your audience because HR in particular is looking for question marks because they're trying to cull through resumes and look for the perfect resume and they will, they want to include people, but if they see resumes that aren't, that are, that's missing information or is that a, that's not aligned to the job description, then they pass on those resumes. So it's really important to be thoughtful about not having gaps. And if you've had previous employment, you can have your legal experience and you can have other employment and you can list your previous experience because it's very valuable, especially for lawyers to show that you've had business experience. Absolutely. And anything else? I'm just curious, what's been your experience around okay. around um, resume proofing? Because you've seen a lot of resumes as well. I have. And honestly, I will never forget a story that my career guidance counselor shared with me when I was in law school regarding not relying on word processing um, spell checkers. There, She related a story about someone who was applying for a public defender position and had just used the spell checker and had not realized that, in fact, the word that she had included in her resume was pubic, and a pubic <laughs> defender. <laughs> so, you know, because that word, that was spelled correctly, so the spell checker didn't catch it. So it just, it's a humorous but horrifying <laughs> example of why you should always have another person take a look at your resume and make sure that you don't have a blind spot where you're missing something. Oh, that is funny. And, you know, I think we've seen many of the exam- many examples like that over the years. Exactly. I would also, one other thing, make sure the cover letter is, is proofed as well, right? Because cover letters can convey a lot of information. And so if there's information that you need to convey that you cannot put in the resume for some reason, because you're wanting to keep to a particular length or exactly. there's something in particular that you want to emphasize with this company, put it in the cover letter. Perfect. So... Okay, I, I think that covers my do's and don'ts. Excellent. So thank you so much for joining us here today. And thank you for sharing your expertise. And this has been great information. I hope it's really helpful for people. Stacy, thank you. Thanks, Melinda. a brand new day and we'll be making history